Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm Dina Marie Hale, your host, and with me in studio is Archbishop Alexander Sample. And I want to say happy birthday, happy feast day. It's the feast day of the Immaculate Conception right. on December 8th, and here we are Amen. in the Archdiocese that where it's seed, the cathedral is the Cathedral of St. Mary of the Immaculate Conception. Exactly. So we have a lot. Amidst everything else in the world, Archbishop, we can celebrate this beautiful day. And I think this beautiful teaching and truth in the church of who Our Lady is and the gift that she has as the Mother of God for all right. of us. As we begin to reflect on her presence in our lives and, and the gift that God gives her to give to us as the Immaculate Conception, would you lead us in prayer? Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, your Holy Mother Mary, from the moment of her conception, was conceived without sin, so that she could become the worthy tabernacle for you to come and to dwell into our world, to be formed in her womb before you came into the world as the babe of Bethlehem. Jesus, we ask that you be with us during this radio time to touch the hearts and the minds of our listeners to a greater and deeper awareness and love for this great mystery which is contained in the Virgin Mother Mary. So we ask all these things in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, seed of wisdom, immaculately conceived. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Archbishop, I think some people might think the Immaculate Conception goes back to the birth of Jesus. But uh, let's get straight. What What is or who is you know, the Immaculate Conception? Because yeah. I always think there's always new listeners. I'm a convert, so I always think about, I didn't know this since I was growing up. No. <laughs> this, is one of those, this is one of those things that gets confused, mm -hmm. even in the minds of, of faithful Catholics. It is a, it is a who— the Immaculate Conception. I mean, in a certain sense, it's an it because it's a mystery. But, I mean, yes. it really refers to a person, and it refers to the person of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In fact, uh, if you remember, uh, you know, what did uh, the Blessed Mother say to St. Bernadette right. at Lourdes? When she finally revealed who she was, she said, I am the Immaculate Conception. Mm -hmm. um, which would have been words. It was, that's that gives some real credibility to the uh, apparitions at Lourdes, actually, because <laughs> this is poor, you know, young, basically peasant girl, Saint Bernadette Subaru. You know, she's she's no theologian, and this was a very theological subject, and had only been proclaimed as, as a doctrine of the Church very recently. So it would have been not on her on her mind at all. To, so for her to use those words is, is clear to me that it was truly a revelation uh, of the Blessed Mother. But what it refers to, many people mis mistakenly think that the Immaculate Conception refers to the conception of Jesus. In other words, they confuse the mystery of the Immaculate Conception with the virgin birth and the virgin conception of Jesus. In other words... Uh, you know, Jesus, we know, 
was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit without the intervention of a man. That's the the nature of, of the virgin birth. And some people think that's what Immaculate Conception is. Uh, but that's not what the Immaculate Conception is at all. Now, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't help, I should say, <laughs> that the, what does the church give us as the gospel for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception? We get the story of the Annunciation. <laughs> and, you know, the angel Gabriel declaring to Mary that she is to be the mother of the Most High God and that it'll be by the power of the Holy Spirit that will overshadow you and hence the child to be born of you will be called Son of the Most High and and, and, and all of that. So it doesn't help the church. Well, I mean, you can, it's a great gospel to have for this feast, but I think that's what it helps mm-hmm. contribute to people's confusion that what are we talking about here? So what we're really talking about in the Immaculate Conception has to do with, with the, the Blessed Mother herself, Mary herself, that from the moment of her conception mm-hmm. in the womb of her mother by tradition, St. Anne, From the moment of Mary's conception in her mother's womb, the Lord preserved her from all stain of sin, both original sin and personal sin, so that she is immaculately conceived. And that's what the the, the immaculate means, Um, you know, when, when the angel greets her. Ave Maria, you know, that, that Latin that we use, gratia plena, full of grace. The fullness of grace mm-hmm. is what it really refers to. It, it, it's speaking of someone who has the absolute fullness of grace, uh, which means in, in that state of grace, which means free from sin uh, and enjoying the fullness of God's life in her. So that's what the Immaculate Conception refers to is that Mary— from the moment of her conception in the womb of her mother, was preserved from all stain of sin so that she would become the worthy vessel into which the eternal word would enter into the world and take flesh. Mm-hmm. But it does, it's, it's not to be confused with the virgin birth of Jesus, that Jesus was conceived without the intervention of a man, but right. it was by the power of the Holy Spirit because Mary was conceived in the, in the natural way uh, from her parents, again, by tradition, Joachim and Anne. Well, and I think about birthdays and feast days, and this is a feast day in the church. Now, Mary's birthday, her nativity, September 8th. Mm-hmm. So if we think about December 8th <laughs> and we go nine months up forward, mm-hmm. okay, we can start to see as we as the church looks beautifully right. into these feasts, how they follow the exactly. Annunciation comes in March. Again, so, so yep. there March is a 25th. logical <laughs> to the theological, and I think the yeah. mystery gets to be explained a little bit on the calendar. Right. Of, of, of how these fit together. But for the United States and for the Americas, for the U.S., so this is a patronal feast day. Yes, it is. The, the bishops of the United States, 1800s, I believe, early 1800s, I, I should know the date, but uh, wanted to solemnly place the United States of America under the patronage of Our Lady, but under her title of, of the Immaculate Conception. And so, so our nation, our, our nation is solemnly uh, under her watchful motherly mm-hmm. care. So we're, we're, we're consecrated to her. She is our patroness. 
she is the one that that we we ask and pray to watch over uh, this great land of ours. So, so, so our, our our patroness is Our Lady, but specifically Our Lady under this this title, this recognition of the mystery of her immaculate conception. In fact. The National Shrine mm-hmm. of our country, which is in Washington, D.C., beautiful place, is the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, and, and gosh, I hope that uh, everyone uh, has a chance to visit that place at least once in their life. It's, it's a, a, an, an incredible, incredible piece of, of, of true beauty uh, offered to the glory of God uh, uh, and, and uh, honoring also right. uh, the Virgin Mother uh, of 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 his son. Yeah. I had the fortune to go once so far. Maybe I'll get to go back, but I was just amazed. You see some, you know, whether it's EWTN or on other television broadcasts of a mass being celebrated there, but all the, the little chapels yep. dedicated to all of the different titles of Our Lady from this country and that yes. country, gifts, beautiful religious art. But yeah, just, in, the, in the crypt of yeah. the basilica, there's all these, like you say, little side chapels. And so different uh, ethnic groups mm-hmm. uh, that are present here in the United States have their little little tiny chapels dedicated to, you know, their, their quote unquote, you know, Madonna. So, of course, right. you know, for the Mexicans, we have Our Lady of Guadalupe mm-hmm. and, and – uh, uh, I, I don't. I th- there must be one for the Vietnamese, I presume, for Our Lady sure. of Bang. I know the Poles have their Our Lady of Częstochowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Slovenians even have their chapel to Our Lady of Breje. So, um, yeah, it's it's a beautiful place. We have here in the Archdiocese of Portland, St. Mary's Cathedral, St. Mary's, again, of the Immaculate Conception. So the tie for us here in this Portland Archdiocese to having her also as our patroness. Yes, this was. I must say, I have a I have a, a a tremendous devotion to to our Blessed Mother. I have from for all of my life. That's and it's only grown uh, through my years as a seminarian, a priest, now bishop. Um, I have a great love and devotion for her. Uh, it was it was a little bit uh, not traumatizing is way too strong a word. It was a little bit uh, unsettling to have to leave. My my home, if you will, in Michigan, uh, where I had lived essentially for the last thirty five years, and and uh, been a priest there for fifteen years, and and then after that, a bishop for there for seven years to to leave. It was hard, and I knew when I was knew I was coming here. But when I learned, and I remember this very distinctly, when I learned that the cathedral here in in the Archdiocese of Portland is dedicated to Our Lady under her title of the Immaculate Conception. And when I learned, therefore, that the patroness of our local church here in Western Oregon is Our Lady uh, under her title of the Immaculate Conception, I took that, quite honestly, as a sign from Our Lord and from Our Lady that that this is is surely where God wanted me to be. Uh, I, I can't explain it. To maybe to our listeners, but in those those in those days of doubt and wondering what is God doing to me here in in my life and, and this this move to a place I've, I've I've only visited once in my life as a child, uh, and, but then when, when all of a sudden when I when I saw that piece oh, the cathedrals are, are to Our Lady and and the archdiocese is under Our Lady, oh this is this will be this is all going to be good this is all going to be good so I'm very just so thrilled. Yeah 
to have uh, you know my my cathedra, my my chair, if you will, from which I, I preside over the church here in Western Oregon, to be housed in the cathedral uh, of the Immaculate Conception is 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 a great joy for me, yeah. and it should be a joy for all of us. You know that that who's who's uh, better care to be under than 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 our Blessed Mother. For sure, for sure. With this feast day, how do we approach it liturgically? Obviously, there's restrictions today on how many people can get to a church, but in the liturgy, in the prayers, in the way that we should honor this particular day, December 8th, in our hearts, in our families, also in our parish prayer community. Well, you know, this this solemnity, it's a solemnity in the church, which is the, the church's highest type of liturgical celebration. You know, we have what we call ferial days, which are just ordinary time days, if you will. And then we have weekdays in certain privileged seasons like Advent or Lent uh, or the Easter season, Christmas season. And then we have those very special, special times like uh, Holy Week uh, or the, the last days of Advent, which we'll probably talk about maybe next week. But then, the, then, then the, the the feasts of the saints are ranked in in as optional memorial. In other words, it's it's a it's an, it's a memorial that you know the the celebrant you know can choose to observe or not observe. Then there are obligatory memorials. Okay, these are memorials that that we we must observe in the liturgy. Then there are feasts, which is a higher rank than that, and and the feasts are a little bit more important. Usually, a more more well known saint or a more uh, important mystery. And uh, you know we get the, for instance, on a feast we get the Gloria. Mm-hmm. You know, even even you know even on a weekday right. we get the Gloria because it's a feast. And then the highest rank is solemnity, and at the solemnity is basically treated like a Sunday mass and celebration. So uh, and so we you know, we get the creed mm-hmm. too uh, on a solemnity and on a solemnity. For example, it's it's very much like a Sunday liturgy. So it will it will have uh, the full complement of 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 parts of the Mass, the Gloria, the Creed, usually hopefully sung and celebrated well. But also we'll have the uh, three scriptural readings, like we do on a Sunday. The, uh, usually a reading from the Old Testament or the Acts of the Apostles, then one of the uh, the pastoral epistles, usually or the letters of St. Paul, and then the gospel. So it's, it's a full-blown, it's like a Sunday. So yes. it's, it's, in other words, it's to be celebrated with such solemnity, mm-hmm. and that's why it's called a solemnity, and such joy and exuberance that it's, 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 it's truly a, a grand celebration. So, and that's why uh, this solemnity uh, in the United States is, is a holy day of obligation, as it is throughout the world. Uh, but it has takes on particular significance for us here in the United States because she is our our national patroness, and so uh, it, it is a holy day of obligation for for Catholics to to attend Mass on this day. Of course, you know in these crazy times of of COVID nineteen, uh, the dispensation of the faithful from Sunday Mass is extended, of course, to the solemnities of, of obligation as well. Uh, so it, it doesn't carry with it. But I would encourage people, and let's be honest, I, Dean and Marie, we're sitting here taping this, you know, program, you know, well ahead of of, of the of the feast day itself. Uh, I don't know where we're going to be at uh, on right. December eighth, <laughs> right. as I sit here recording this and talking about the feast. But I hope by then uh, we'll be at back to a place where as many people as possible can participate, and we should, and especially. I mean, this is throughout the world, this, this solemnity, of course, but mm-hmm. especially here in the United States. And then I think we get kind of a double 
uh, emphasis, if you will, or a double urging for us to celebrate here in, in the Archdiocese of Portland because she's our patroness yes. here locally as well. So I would encourage everyone to to come to Mass if you can. If you can't, join a live stream Mass yeah. uh, and pray at home. Yeah. That was one of the things that came out of the discussion on COVID-19 at the bishops' meeting uh, that, that we talked about last week, is that, you know, this has got to revitalize the domestic church. And maybe mm-hmm. we can talk about that a little bit next week, you know, when we, mm-hmm. when we talk about uh, the closing days of Advent before Christmas. So celebrate it in your home right. as well, you know, uh, and, and make it a big deal because mm-hmm. Our Lady is a big deal. <laughs> Absolutely, she is. She's a big deal. <laughs> Well, and if you speak about a big deal, the image, well, I have a little statue of Our Lady, and I believe it's at the Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception. The serpent is under her foot, mm-hmm. right? And it, and it refers to some scripture, yeah. but I think that's such a powerful witness to us of her crushing it's not her. It's the Lord working through her. Yeah, right. Uh, there, there's, there, there's, some, there's some actual, uh, <laughs> you know, and that was one of the uh, things that I, one of the first things I remember learning in scripture studies was was the uh, uh, the confusion in translation mm-hmm. there in, in in the third chapter of Genesis. It's it's called the Proto Evangelium, sort of the Proto Gospel, the, the the prefiguring of the Gospel. Um, uh, because there, uh, and this is this is and this is why Our Lady is depicted usually in her images the Immaculate Conception. She will have either the the serpent under her feet uh, in our cathedral here. You'll notice she actually has Satan under her right. her feet. But it goes back to that, and it's considered the first promise of redemption mm-hmm. in right after the fall. Right after the fall, uh, if you remember that, you know when when Adam and Eve are sort of called uh, to account for their sin of disobedience to the Lord. You know, he goes looking for them in the garden and, you know, where are you? you know, where are you? And, <laughs> you know, oh, you hid yourselves because you were naked. Well, who told you were naked? You then have eaten of the tree that I had forbidden you to eat. And, of course, Adam blames Eve and then Eve blames the serpent. And so uh, God, you know, predicts, okay, now what are the, what is the results of sin now? This is the sin has entered into the world, suffering mm-hmm. has entered into the world, death has entered into the world. But he says to the serpent, you know, uh, you know, on your belly shall you crawl all the days of your life, dirt you shall eat, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the serpent represents Satan as the tempter, the one who tempts all of us to sin. Right. Uh, and, and, but God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring and hers. He will strike at your head. He will crush your head while you strike at his heel. He will crush your head while you strike at his heel. And But, but in, in, apparently in earlier translations, a misunderstanding of the original Hebrew there, it was translated as, uh, she will crush your head while you strike at her heel. Uh, but it was really an in- incorrect translation, and, and the, the Hebrew really does say he. So it's really referring to Christ mm-hmm. will will crush the head. And remember that scene, for those of you who have seen the, the, passion. the passion of the Christ? Yeah. I love that scene yeah. in the garden. You know, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's not there in the gospel, but it's an artistic interpretation mm-hmm. of the moment when, when Jesus finally overcomes the temptations of, in the garden 
uh, uh, put forth by Satan and the snake, the serpent is slithering over to Jesus, coming out from underneath Satan's, you know, robes and everything else. And it's just this hearkening back. He's in a garden again, you know, and all of this imagery is powerful. But then that, there's that moment when Jesus just slams down yeah. on the serpent's head with his, with his foot. Uh, you know, it's like you, you, you have been defeated. Mm-hmm. You, you will not tempt me to reject what the Father is asking of me. So that's that's a very powerful. Image. So, but that's considered the promise of of redemption, mm-hmm. that the striking of of your head will be your destruction, Satan, because there is a promise of redemption. And Mary's role in that, though, is very prominent. So, so it is only because of the fiat of of the Blessed Mother. That, that the Savior enters into the world. So in a sense, she's, she has a role mm-hmm. <laughs> in the crushing of the head of, of the serpent. Yeah, yeah. And as we talk about Archbishop Patronus, and we may have a special patron saint, maybe our baptismal name, our confirmation name, our parish name, and that becomes our patronal saint, maybe ways that you can suggest during this Advent season as we look at Mary as our patronal saint for the United States but ways that we could enhance our devotional life, our family life, ways that we might be able to open up our hearts more to yeah, Mary. I, well, I would, I would, I would definitely uh, do do a number of things. Um, and and before we get off, uh, I want to uh, because people who aren't Catholics sometimes don't understand. Well, what, mm, what is this mm-hmm. all about? This this immaculate conception. So maybe cover that first. Because people will say, well, you know, Mary's a human being just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. How is it that she, you know, Jesus came to save everyone. Everybody needs a Savior. You can't be saved without Jesus. So how is Mary saved without Jesus if she's free from sin, etc.? Well, it's called a prevenient grace. In other words, in view of what Christ would do on the cross and in his resurrection. So in view of the Father looking forward, God looking forward to the redemption of the world through the passion, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. In view of that which was to come, God took the fruit of that sacrifice of redemption and applied it beforehand to Mary. In other words, she is still saved by Jesus. Mary is still saved by Jesus Christ, her son, the fruit of her womb. But God, who is outside of time, who is not bound by time, who is, he is eternal, he takes the, the fruit of redemption in Christ, her son, and applies it to her at the moment of her conception. And he's able to do that because he's God. He's God. <laughs> and why wouldn't he do that? Right. To prepare a worthy vessel, a pure vessel, a spotless vessel for the incarnate word, his son, to come into the world, that worthy tabernacle of the Most High God. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there's reason behind it. Um, so I, I want to point that out mm-hmm. because I, I think people say, well, what's the big deal and why, would, why, would, why is this so important? <laughs> you know, Well, it's extremely important. She plays that pivotal role. So how, how, so how do we celebrate her? You know, I think, and I'm going back to, to the home because we can certainly come to the church. We can celebrate uh, the Holy Mass on her feast day, and we can even pray the Divine Office. You know, those of us who pray Christian prayer or, or the Liturgy of the Hours, we can celebrate our feast day through that other form of liturgical prayer. But in the home, let's 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 talk about in the home, in our private lives. Every Catholic home should have prominently displayed somewhere uh, an image of our Blessed Mother, preferably in the common areas of the home. I mean, you know. 
of course, I'm an archbishop, so you come walk around everywhere. my home. you got <laughs> holy images everywhere, and I've got Our Lady all over the place because uh, I love her so much. But uh, uh, anyway, you know, we should have at least one prominently in, in, enthroned, we would say, image of Our Lady. You know, there used to be tradition. In our home, to enthrone in our homes mm-hmm. the image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, so we should have an enthroned, an image, a statue uh, of of Our Lady, and and should enjoy a prominent place in our home. Not not over overshadowing the place of Jesus, of course. You know, and I don't, you know, we don't want to fall into that trap that Catholics get accused of 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 you know giving more honor to Mary, but she's the mother. You know, I, I love that line that you know Jesus was a good Jew. And follow the commandments perfectly. And one of the commandments is honor your mother and father. He honored his mother. Mm-hmm. We imitate Jesus. We honor his mother. So there should be a place of prominence for her image. Uh, we should consecrate our homes to under the care and the patronage and, and, the, and the loving motherly care of, of Our Lady. I like to image uh, have this image of Our Lady placing her mantle over us. And that mantle is a one of love and protection as a mother. So enthrone her in your home, dedicate your home to her under your patro- her uh, under her patronage and care. Uh, pray those beautiful devotional prayers that we have to Our Lady, especially the Holy Rosary. Mm-hmm. I would be so happy, good people, if every family, before an image of Our Lady in your home, would pray every day the Rosary together. Honestly and truly, and I know you may think, uh, some of you out there might think I'm just being overly pious. We could change the world. We could rock the world. We could rock Western Oregon if every Catholic family would gather before an image of Our Lady under whose patronage we already are and pray together as a family the Holy Rosary every day. We, 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 would, we would literally change Western Oregon. Uh, I, I mean that sincerely, mm-hmm. uh, if we would just pray. So, uh, you know, I think to, to have that personal devotion, to carry the rosary with you. I carry my rosary with me all the time. It's always in my pocket. And I, one priest told me once, you know, that whenever he's, he's, he's tempted to sin, he just fingers the rosary, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just as a reminder that Our Lady is there watching over and, and, and caring for us to wear the medal. Uh, uh, of Our Lady. I wear the, the miraculous medal, mm-hmm. uh, our image of the miraculous medal, and also the, the brown scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. So these are different devotional practices that we, we stay close to Mom, our, mm-hmm. our Holy Mother. Stay close to mom. That is the way to be. I love it. Well, again, we want to celebrate on this beautiful feast day of the Immaculate Conception right in the Advent season. I think a beautiful place for us to honor Our Lady is during this time of Advent, and we encourage people to continue to pray. I'd encourage people to wake up and listen to Modern Day Radio and pray that rosary at 6 o'clock in the morning with the Archbishop and the community to be able to pray together as community in your homes, as a parish community, in a larger community, we will change things. We will allow God to work through that Amen. prayer to change things. And with that, Archbishop, will you please close us in prayer? Yes. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, O most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, 
that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening to The Voice of the Shepherd on Mater Dei Radio. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. Until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week, and peace be with you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.